Welcome to I Am The Night, episode 47. And this week we're looking at episode 52 of Batman the Animated Series, the aptly titled Mudslide. And with me is Adam. And Adam, what did we both say the second we saw the title Mudslide? Oh, I wonder who's in this one. <laughs> exactly that. Written by Alan Burnett and Steve Perry. Directed by Eric Radomski. Again, well-known names. And they delivered. They truly did. We got a welcome catch-up with a now-familiar character. There was the concern of us wondering where we left off with this particular villain. But mm. that's... I saw, think all the beauty of this show. They make it so wonderfully universal where you do feel rewarded having that prior knowledge of sitting through the uh, the hands of clay feet of clay episodes before mm-hmm. but uh, it's also still very approachable and new to those who may not have caught those episodes and are still unfamiliar with the character as we see something fairly typical and clear uh, clay like monster slowly losing grip on reality losing grip is right I mean really well um, directed and put together that you see Matt Hagen losing control, not just physically, but mentally. He, he feels a lot more unhinged mm. in this one than his last episode. I don't think that's justifiable. We can sort of say that uh, as one loses grip on their own physical being, it's a scary thing that would eventually affect your psychology. And we see that in spades in this episode. And it's very well portrayed just by the very obvious sort of character designs of him just sort of leaving a trail of clay-like goo behind him and him becoming more violent and prone to outbursts so we do see him in a lot of emotional and physical danger but obviously we, we know we know, see the character a lot in the comics but this does seem like a fairly horrible and gruesome end to him or does it uh i think it could work both ways it makes perfect sense for him to have dissolved there in the water skipping ahead a little bit in the episode and it makes sense for him to have somehow recombined and reappear somewhere on the slopes of the Gotham River it's satisfying either way so I think anything could happen really yeah absolutely and that that was the point why I brought it up early it's extremely good writing where it feels like it could be a comprehensive end if they want it to be but there are ways for him to come back so obviously the story focuses on Matt falling apart both physically and mentally and Batman literally trying to chase him, find him, catch him, particularly after he steals a radioactive isotope from Wayne... Um, Biotech. Biomedical. Biomedical. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the name MP40? Um, it's really good that it's uh, fairly simple, very like cold and analytical and scientific-sounding thing to keep him from stopping leaking and stopping moving when the very similarly named WD-40 helps things move. <laughs> exactly, that's why I, I got out of that as well, WD-40. Yeah, I was still wondering, it's just like, are they going to radioactively fix his hinges? What's what's that stuff going to do? <laughs> and stop him squeaking. Well, I mean, squeaky clay isn't exactly a thing, it just depends on how coarse it Unless is. Unless you're in Alabama and you get mud in your tyres. Yeah, get mud in your tyres. That's a very, very niche reference to anyone who has an excellent <laughs> taste in cinema. Yes, so... um. And again, we meet someone brand new in Dr. Stella Bates. And this is fantastic because we see that he clearly had fans from his acting career. And one of them was a doctor who ends up being a consultant on one of his films. And that's how Batman eventually tracks her down after some wonderful moments with Alfred and more of his acerbic wit in the back. I think this is actually one of Alfred's finest hours and finest episodes for his 
witty repartee. He gives as good as he gets to Batman and to Clayface in question. He the the goose is cooked sort of oh, jab brilliant. right at the beginning. And I've mentioned many times the quality of the honest trailers take on Batman the animated series and they say that um the summary for the for the show of um Alfred being Batman's loyal butler and here to serve sick burns the one that we saw in this episode yeah. uh I wasn't aware he had any integrity to be in with that was the one that Brilliant. they used as an example and it's true it's as a villain who's falling apart at the seams and a villain who commits robberies to help himself from falling apart at the seams he doesn't really have any integrity to begin with physical or in terms of his character. Yep, very true. <laughs> very, very true indeed. And like I said, I love the, the the fact that he's expecting Bruce to turn up for dinner. And once again, the alarm sounds off at the final moment when Alfred's getting the bird out of the oven. And of course, the goose genuinely, genuinely is cooked. What's the meaning of that phrase, turn of phrase again? Um, I think it's just to say something's ready or you're out of time. Um, you can't go anywhere because your goose is cooked. You have to sit down and have your dinner. And in the unlikely event that my lovely young lady is watching, don't worry, noodles is fine. Noodles is safe. We love the noodles. Right. Um, and obviously, speaking of Alfred, there is one other brilliant moment which he serves to um, young Master Bruce when Bruce said, uh, there isn't time for that now. And Alfred said, well, there never is. Nope. Batman has to rush away to the likely hideout because he has fig- he's figured out the secret and the mystery behind it. But... Uh, it's good to it's good to show that Alfred's in just as much suspense as we the viewers are. But then again, I feel like someone relatively down to earth compared to the man who dresses up as a bat and swings from rooftops. It's good to we have that sort of very grounded moral compass to look in from as a focal point. So yeah, we're with you, Alfred. We're a little weary of him just rushing off. But then again, it makes for great TV. Stiff upper upper lip, Mister Pennyworth. Stiff upper lip. How oh, very British. Absolutely. And how very, very theatrical, thespian and movie-esque this episode is in terms of its one-liners, in terms of uh, Clayface's repartee, because this is clearly written by film fans for film fans. I mean, how many of Clayface's one-liners did you spot? Uh, Curtains up and things to that effect were thrown around a lot. I, I, I literally, I've got upstaged. It's the last time you upstaged yes, me. Yes, he said that. Um, let's bring down the curtain. Yes, that's time what to I was take your final bow. Yep. And um, when at the very end, he uh, goes over the cliff. The curtains going down. And uh, sorry, son, but uh, Clayface did get his cliffhanger ending after all. Not exactly, not technically, but he got his a literal cliffhanger ending. Yes. I'm, cho- I'm, cho- I'm choosing not to rise to that. <laughs> well, rise to this. Okay. Because I don't know, because I know, I know you gave me a funny look at the moment where um, Stella's name is mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stella's last name, Dr. Stella Bates. She once owned a motel. Yes. <laughs> she sold it to get capital to help Clayface. I think that's for the best, given the state of uh, the the what the motel would end up becoming in popular culture. I'm yes. not very clear on the story. I'm just aware of the. Oh, you need to see Psycho. Wonderful film. Well, let, let's just think: could this be Mama Psycho, and this is the reason why she went bananas and did those things to her poor son? I could see that. I sort of hope not, but because um, she's a lovely woman. Yeah, poor old Norman. He'll be fine. To be perfectly honest, he might make for a great Dead by Daylight killer, but this isn't my gaming podcast. No, it isn't. Um, 
But yeah, it's an interesting thing, and I think that's another pop culture reference that they felt like they could throw in, and it's them sort of respecting other pieces of media that you would otherwise never expect, which is something I think we see a lot in the show at large, from the uh, the security guard reading the tiny tunes, yep. to the, this episode again, where we see her watching a sappy movie starring the well Matt Hagen with Warner, with Warner Brothers' symbol there at the at the the end screen, just like in the just like in the very old pictures the Warner Brothers used to And make. at the end of every episode of Batman the Animated Series. Actually, yeah, I think that's still a thing that Warner Brothers does, but the symbol looks very different now yes, than it does then. Absolutely. But again, as you quite rightly said, not only is this show a wonderful homage to all the comic book adventures, it's clearly a show made by people who love TV, who love cinema and everything that goes with it. And like you said, you've never seen Psycho, but you knew exactly what the Bates Motel was, mm -hmm. and you know who Norman Bates is. Yep. So, um, power of pop culture. Power of pop culture. Uh, I just remembered seeing some of the stills from the prequel series. I was always ever, I only ever saw like the trailers and stuff between shows on like. Oh god, yeah, they did a Bates like, Motel show, didn't they? Yes, yeah, so I, I remember seeing the previews and the trailers and stuff for, on like Sky Atlantic. Yeah. And I just remember seeing this like fairly like happy looking kid the young Norman just growing more and more and more unhinged so I was always aware of that sort of thing but I was just like oh that looks interesting but oh god something else I might need to look at it's quite old so I think it's yeah. finished so we might we might be able to get it fairly easily because mm. I did really love Psycho I even liked Psycho 2 Psycho 3 yeah it's like Game of City but the 1 and 2 I, I really did enjoy but anyway let's talk about a different kind of Psycho Mr. Clayface himself where I mean if, if we're thinking about it if that isotope had taken full effect, and this is the one thing I've got that's playing on my mind about this episode, because Batman is a hero and a saviour, and right at the beginning when he first bumps into Clayface, he says, listen, I can help you regain your humanity. Let me help you. Hmm. But it's Batman that switches off the machine at the end. Does he know, obviously, being the owner of Wayne Biomedical, that Clayface's power levels could be far too powerful for even him to stop should that full transfusion go ahead is that why he stopped it i was actually wondering as to why he did stop it because i feel that he has the means to still incapacitate and defeat clayface even if that process has still gone on mm -hmm. it's not immoral but it is very sort of dubious yeah, to, it's odd, isn't to, it? for batman to have done that it's in his nature to make sure that everyone has the full quality of life, like in the same way that he gave Kirk Langstrom the anti-serum so that he stops mm -hmm. becoming man-bat, and the same again to Kirk Langstrom's wife. I think he did act with the right intentions, but it's he. I, if he knew for certain that him having just enough of that isotope made him stable, because that's what appeared to have happened, mm -hmm. but if he'd had the full procedure then he would have become too powerful for him to beat. That I could just see as a way for him to justify pulling that manoeuvre. I would have appreciated them explaining that. Yeah. Because that still makes Batman's actions a bit dubious and unclear. Yeah. The only way I can really justify it personally is that um, from the moment you see it, when she first brings out that tiny little piece of it, mm. it's in a lead case. It's radioactive. When Clayface goes to steal it from Wayne Biomedical, it's in a safe, in a wall, in a lead screen, in a lead canister. So I'm thinking Batman stopped it because, well, yes, this could save him, this could make him human again, 
but he could be deadly and radioactive. That's the only thing I can see it being, that he's That's actually cool. more of a threat cure. I mean, it might help him, but it might kill Stella, it might kill whoever he comes into contact with afterwards. That's another possibility, and I feel like that would be uh, an inadvertent side effect. Yeah. His sort of transmutive state would sort of leave radioactive debris sort of everywhere. Yeah. And that combined with his mutational powers with the radiation... Yeah, Batman would find that next to impossible to stop. Yeah. Because at that present moment, he would have to go with just what he has. He wouldn't be able to jump back to the Batcave to get a radiation suit mm -hmm. think of the damage he could be yeah. doing. Yeah, that's a decent way to justify it. But again, there was still a, a bit little of bit of a miscommunication yeah. that may have been needed. Yeah. I mean, obviously, for the kids watching it, it's literally just Batman had to stop the bad guy. They get it. But it's just probably just because us old farts and writers, we need more justification for these actions. But that's then, the only one that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of um, room to explain things like that in a traditional single issue comic. Mm -hmm. If this were the issue of the week of a Batman or a Detective Comics, they would be able to put in like a little yellow box in the top left or mm -hmm. the top right. Him explaining why he would need to do this. I want to save Clayface, but that radioactive episode soap is deadly. That's all it would have taken. Yeah. One little aside like that. One little aside like that. And that's something I feel like would have been very natural for a writer to add in the top left in a, in a single issue. So there's one. that's one side of things where the media sort of differs between portraying Batman on screen and portraying Batman in the original comic. Yeah. So it's forgivable, but it's still sort of a bit of fine so it niggled with, with you as well that decision it, it it was a little out of sorts a little unclear it's valid if you can sort of like think around it but it's still sort of hmm. obviously we're intelligent comic book readers we are fairly scientifically minded so we can put two and two together by seeing what we've seen on screen but I do think to maybe the layperson or to someone or, or maybe they just won't spot that and think, oh, yeah, Batman just had to sort the bad guy. Yeah, but um, well, you, you also have to remember that you and I are also students of literature. It's also yes. it's always very important. Yeah. It's always very important to look at a scene and think of your character's motivations. Obviously, Batman's motivated to protect as many people as possibly can. Yes. But we don't know how many people are being threatened by Clayface getting this isotope, by getting this substance. So we have to think around the side effects of him going through this procedure as opposed to us thinking the only person here who's in danger is Clayface because he's decomposing. Mm. He's dis he's deteriorating. Him getting this would save him, so isn't that sort of going against Batman's m methods? But then when you think around it, you think of the possible side effects of that. Mm -hmm. So it's just... The needs of the many. The needs that of the many, thing. but again, without any clarification, yeah. we're still a little bit uncertain. Which is forgivable, but something to think about. Because that was that was my one negative, and I think that's one of the very few I've ever had about this show as a whole. But like I said, it's not something that's going to stop me rewatching this episode or, or loving this series. It's it's minor. Yeah, it's minor, it's and it's it's minor. It's a sort of question mark, but uh, one that I actually had. So I wanted mm. to actually thank you for having the bravery to speak about about things some, that you weren't super sure about. Yeah. I don't know if there was something I missed. I don't think that there was. But when did we get Batman's thinking from the logical jump of him seeing a female accomplice escorting Clayface away into him assuming, oh, it's a female doctor? Because of Clayface's condition. That's the natural sort of logical... Yeah. That's the sort of natural logical gap. But just honestly, like half a sentence saying a female accomplice escaped, spirited him away while he's... Uh, biologically unstable maybe she's his doctor that 
like half a sentence yeah would have filled that in for me yeah as well so there's there were some moments <clears> where <throat> I, I honestly a lot of the time praise this show for its ability to be so condensed in its storytelling but still not really miss or lose any beats yeah. this one did a bit didn't it this one through no fault of its own really did yeah to me, I mean, again, that was a niggle I had. That was a thought I had. How did he go to Doctor immediately? Mm. The only thing I can suggest is that um, he looked up the number plate to the car and it belonged to a Doctor's surgery or to hospital. Yeah, that would also have been an e- easy logic jump to make. But then again, also, that would have possibly been something that they could have added. Again, yeah. A, a, a half a second aside. Yeah. I'll trace the number plate to this hospital, so she's clearly a Doctor. Yeah. And it's not like they would necessarily need to animate Batman saying this while sitting at the back computer. They could have just had a voiceover voice while, while he was clicking and the camera was panning from across the cave to him where we saw that scene with Alfred pouring him a tea. That he would Let's ignore. make director's cuts. That sounds like fun. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Listeners, if you want to hear us do some retellings of things where we put our sad over-analytical <laughs> spins on this, you let us Fanboy mentalities takes over the world. Uh, but no, if we had... The bad fanboy mentality. Oh, no, we, yeah, we we had the bad fanboy mentality. Be like, oh, it wasn't unclear. This was one of the episodes worthless. Bit. I yeah. hate those people. And some people, actually, I know a few of them would have said that about this episode for that reason. But we're not that. No, because we, we we're, see we're, the good. Yeah, we're willing to see the episode as a whole as a very strong character piece about Clayface and about his fear of his own mortality and Batman doing the best he can to try and redeem someone, even though he's being so transgressive. These are honestly so minor that a lot of fanboys really need to just let things go. But it does show that we are and can be critical when necessary, and that's the first, even though it's a minor complaint, that's the first complaint we've had about this show in 52 episodes. It's true. We had some uncertainty about when the show was starting to lose its uh, starting to get its feet right back at the beginning mm-hmm. like the jumps in tone between the first episode yes. and the Christmas episode but again that was just uh, growing should. pains and then we can Absolutely. forgive that easily this was a little bit of lapses in clarification that we can also easily forgive so yeah the fact that we're able to explain that and still have these honest opinions whilst just going about our business and watching the show just mm-hmm. shows how strong the show is consistently Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the strengths that is consistent is the level of talent in this show. Again, Kevin Conroy, brilliant as, as Batman in this episode. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., fantastic as Alfred. Um, the legendary Ron Perlman, for me, will always be Clayface due to this series, the same way Mark Hamill will always be the Joker. I, I just love his... The way he went from playing the actor Clayface in the old movie clip to a completely different range of characters with Clayface losing his mind, trying to keep his cool with Stella. It was great. Really good acting performance from Ron Perlman, I thought, this week. Yeah, I can honestly trust Ron Perlman to do just about anything. He could yeah. read uh, tax accounts in a really <laughs> like atmospheric voice and I'd still be captivated before eventually turning away because that stuff's boring. But, yeah, seasoned actors playing characters with high gravitas because as you'd expect he's in he's the character's an actor yeah, that's absolutely uh twisting his form you'd need that kind of range and you get an actor in Ron Perlman to do that perfectly absolutely right and let's talk about um the owner of the motel Stella Bates again I, I had to do my research because that's just the kind of guy I am and I looked up Patricia Pat music um this is literally 
voice acting royalty. Oh, this okay. lady, I couldn't list all her accomplishments. I'll just pick the ones that everyone out there will know. Voices in Avatar The Last Airbender, Disney Untold, Darkwing Duck, Duckman, DuckTales, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Tick, Thundercats, various episodes of Scooby-Doo, It's a Pied Piper, Charlie Brown, Sylvester and Tweety, and adding a Batman reference, she played Martha Wayne in Batman the Brave and the Bold, your other favourite Batman TV series. Oh, amazing. I can honestly count on the voice direction to cast some of the best, but wow. to get someone so tenured to be able to put such an emotional range into uh, an intelligent female character who also had like a strong emotional vulnerability towards Clayface. Yes, they needed someone with a heavy tenure and a great deal of experience, and they chose the casting perfectly. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at her IMDb page and a Wikipedia entry, it's scroll, scroll, scroll. I just picked up some of the highlights, yep. the ones that people would know. But and even among some of the highlights, there was stuff I hadn't heard of. So that just shows her experience. Excellent stuff. Absolutely. So um, that was it. Any last and final parting thoughts on Batman the Animated Series, episode 52, Mudslide? I just wanted to take another moment to really praise the visuals and the art oh, the department and the art direction yeah. of this series because the op I just remember the opening shots quite clearly for a lot of these episodes and this one was no different there was a the shot of that financial building that uh, the ground floor we saw a pan down from but the sky above it was an honestly a nice earthy red mm. like clay indeed they sort of play a lot with the colors of the sky in this show quite effectively and because there's never a Quiet Night in Gotham is always gothic and stormy and what have you. Yeah. But that like natural red colour of just like towards sunset makes it naturally seem like clay. So it's great when the actual environment matches the story that they want to tell. Absolutely. Eric Radomski in particular, he's one of those directors that does that frequently on the show. He's, he's superb. And it's a very shiny, very polished looking episode this week as well. Yes, that's definitely true. It's definitely, definitely true. not one of the ones that's a bit sketchy and a bit edgy. This one's very well put together. Which is something I think you'd expect dealing with this kind of villain and this kind of like high cinema sort of deal. Because again, some of the transformation sequences with Clayface are very Terminator-esque yeah. and really well handled. Yeah. I'd love to see him on the big screen. If he's done well, that would be pretty good. That's something I also wanted to mention is that uh, this episode had a lot of influences to do with like Clayface going forward because I remembered the um, Batman dealing with him on the subway with a beautifully designed subway, so yes. like fifties futurist yeah. with a big glass and all of that. When is this show set? Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I particularly loved the fact that he was able to deal with Clayface with like a icing mist because that's because. That's how you deal with Clayface in the Arkham games with his, oh, right, with yeah. an ice grenade that you get gifted from Mr. Freeze. Oh, so it's amazing oh, to see that the future portrayals of Batman take real respect on how they handle villains here. And I feel like ice was a natural, obvious weakness for Clayface anyway. Fantastic. Well said. Well, that's it. Obviously, we mentioned at the end of the last episode that next week's episode 53, because obviously we thought episode 52, 52 weeks in a year, that's year one of Batman the Animated Series done. And we know that looking at uh, show notes and looking at our research, 
that Mask of the Phantasm was made roughly around about this time, somewhere between episodes 50 and 53. So yes, folks, next week, episode 50, sorry, episode 48 of our show will cover the first Batman animated series movie and one of my all-time favourites, Mask of the Phantasm. I imagine it's going to be a bumper episode because a 90-minute movie is a very different beast from a 20-minute episode, but we will cover it all with as much love, care and respect as it deserves because you often say, and to an extent I agree, that it's still the best portrayal of Batman in film. Uh, Yep, that is my honest opinion and I'm really looking forward to seeing it again with the critics I view. Maybe some things will change, maybe some things will be heightened or some things might not be as good as I remember, but I doubt it. I'm really looking forward to this one, particularly now that... uh, the Phantasm has returned, and this time she's actually comic book canon in the new Batman Catwoman comic book series. It would be so. very interesting to put her into Indeed. current context. Absolutely. So that's it for us. Um, please do catch up with Adam and myself throughout the social medias. Adam, where can the world find you? Uh, to talk to me more directly about whatever you desire, you can follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer. For the things I make, look no further than Dark Knight News for many reviews per week uh, per month of the ongoing titles to mention the Catwoman does a great mm-hmm. service because the Phantasms reared her head in the title I review at the present uh, Catwoman taking a break to look at the future state stuff is uh, all very exciting indeed for my one true love PC and tabletop gaming look to our dear friend and our creation fantasticuniverses.com where I talk about some of the card games I frequently lose at and you can find my blog posts reviewing and creating new material for Dungeons and Dragons on Apotheosis Studios. To see me in action on some various PC games, look that look to YouTube at the Hostile Atmosphere, and to see me playing Dungeons and Dragons, look to No Ordinary Heroes. Brilliant, and do check that stuff out, particularly if you're a gaming fan. As for me, just type in Fantastic Universes or Steve J. Ray into your search engine of choice to find my written work, news, reviews, and interviews. Talk to me on Twitter at LSteveO. Find me on the DC Comics News podcast and this show, and every now and then on the Harley Quinn cast on the DC Comics News feed, which you can find on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Play. DC Comics News and Dark Knight News can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube. So do catch us there. And in the meantime, please keep listening. Please keep rating us, reviewing us, and letting us know your thoughts. Until next time, this has been the I Am The Night podcast. Here's Adam Ray. Here's The Night. Together, we are the night. Thank you for listening. And until next time, read more comics. And watch more Batman. Bye now. Bye now.